the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Today's going to be just a little bit different, just heads up. Uh, normally, at this time in the service, I stand somewhere around here, walk around a little bit the whole time. What's going to happen in the middle of this message is we're going to clear this out, replace it with a table, and do an interview with our visiting missionaries. Uh, this is for several reasons. One, you just need to hear about them, but also what they're doing is a perfect example of exactly what we're talking about today. So we're going to jump right in. I'm going to get my talking done as, as soon as I can so that we can have time to talk to them. But I'm super excited to have them with us today. As we continue to walk through the story of Jesus and try to just marinate and percolate in the character, the stories, the, the things that Jesus said and did, our dream right now in this long series we're just calling Jesus is that we become more like him and that we actually get to know him better than we have before. Wherever you're starting, you may know him well, but hopefully you'll get to know him better. And if you don't know Jesus at all, maybe you've got these ideas about Jesus that have filtered through culture for years. Hopefully, what we're trying to do is get back to what the scriptures actually tell us about him and just, just soak in that. So that's where we are. So far, we've looked and noticed that in three weeks, we've noticed that Jesus is all about new beginnings. Not only the things he says, but every single thing he does, every detail of his birth and the first parts of his life, of John the Baptist coming, of his baptism, of all those things is all about not only telling people they should start over, but empowering them to really do that, to actually be able to really start over in a powerful way. We see from even Jesus as a child that he made it his business to get God's will done on this earth. And by the time he's an adult, we see, again, just these transformative symbols over and over. Baptism, turning water to wine, the list just goes on. But then you see one of the most common symbols he uses all throughout the rest of his ministry starts to show up. John the Baptist had already used it, but the first thing Jesus started teaching about was the idea of the kingdom. Mark 1.15 says, The time has come, he said, that's Jesus, by the way, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. How many have ever heard that, that term, the good news, before? Sometimes we say it gospel, but you, you may not know this, but the word gospel actually comes from the old English translation of this term. It's, it's not the original. The, the Greek is euangelion, and I can't really say the Hebrew ones very well, but they look like that. Besara and Biser is as close as I can get, okay? I, I'm, I'm sorry. But here's what they all mean, and I think this is important as we just try to look at the original and try to understand it from, from scratch, try to see and let the Holy Spirit unpack it. That's where we're trying to start. Every one of these terms was a royal proclamation, two kinds of royal proclamation. One was there's a new king in town, and the second thing is this is what the king demands. And we, we hear the word good news or gospel today, and we think, here's how to make sure you get a ticket to heaven. Here's how to make sure you can call yourself a Christian. Here, we hear the gospel. Sometimes Christians even fight over what is the gospel? What is included in the gospel? Is, is baptism part of it? What kind of baptism? And what about this and this and this and this and this? And all of those are valid conversations, but at the heart of the whole thing, it's important to know that when Jesus said that he is declaring a new kingdom, that the kingdom of God has come near, and he's using that term, good news, what he's saying is, 
I'm the new king, and you need to pay attention to what I say. I'm going to tell you how things are going to be now. And that's an invitation as well as a, a joyous proclamation. And everything else is details after that. How to become part of his kingdom, how to become a citizen. All of that fits within the conversation of there's a new king in town. And he gets to make the rules. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. You notice something else that's tied in with this idea of the new king being in town? Making a real difference in real life on a daily basis. It's not just ideas about heaven. It's not just ideas about the future. It's about the here and now. And meeting real needs in the here and now. And that is part of the gospel of the new king from the beginning. Jesus also taught a bunch of other things over and over. This is, I, I'm trying to, in each one of these messages, kind of give you a little heads up. On, if, you don't, if you don't need them, that's great. But if you need them, some people get really tripped over some ideas. And as you're reading the Gospels in semi-chronological order through the 100 Days of Jesus reading plan, sometimes we look at this and we go, wait a second, I thought Matthew said Jesus said this on a mountain. Uh, over here, Mark says he said it in a boat. And John says he said it to his disciples. What's going on? He said it a bunch of times. That's it. There were a bunch of, that, that, that's the whole thing. It's not a conflict in the scripture. There were certain things that Jesus said over and over. He said it in a house. He said it with a mouse. He said it with a fox. He said it in a box. He said it here or there. He said it anywhere, anybody, would, like, you, you, you know, Dr. Seuss fans, gotta love it. But seriously, he said it every chance he could get, and some of them wrote it down about the time he said it this time. And Matthew spent quite a bit of time, actually chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew, talking about a time where Jesus said pretty much all of the key things all at once up on a mountain. We call that the Sermon on the Mount. It's not the only time that he said those things. But it was a very memorable time, and it was one of the times when he said them all together. Is this making sense so far? Going kind of quick. I want to make sure we get through this and you get, get this. This is so important. All right. So at the end of that Sermon on the Mount, we see the way people react to Jesus. And I love that. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Again, the core of the good news is Jesus is declaring himself to be the king and everything he's laying out, his teachings are not just some great ideas he hoped you might consider and maybe one day try to implement if you feel like it. He's saying, this is how it works. You want to follow me? This is what it looks like. And they picked up on that from day one. But, but again, the way he starts that sermon is really different than anything else they've taught. At the beginning of chapter 5, it says this, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many have ever heard that part before? The Beatitudes is beautiful. Basically a poem. It's set up like Old Testament Hebrew poetry. Blessed are these people. It's, it's, it's this really cool pattern. 
blessed are these people for this, blessed are these people for this. But every single one of those is shocking and almost upside down to the way the world works outside of this new kingdom. But he's consistent all the way through. And again, notice in the middle, in chapter 6, notice how he tells us to pray. How many have ever heard the Lord's Prayer? But if you think I'm making this stuff up, that Jesus cares about the here and now and not just heaven, look what he told us to pray every day. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm not saying Jesus doesn't care about heaven. I'm not saying we should not care about heaven. That's the ultimate prize at the end. And life would be almost meaningless if, if there wasn't that at the end. But almost everything Jesus teaches us is about the here and now. And living under this new king in a brand new kingdom, no matter what other country or neighborhood that we may find ourselves in. So we have two responsibilities as Christians. The first is to proclaim this new kingdom. There's so many ways that Jesus has told us and taught us to do this. But we have the responsibility to proclaim everywhere that there is a new ultimate authority. And he has the power to truly set things right if we do things his way. If we do things his way, he can actually make things right. In his kingdom, things are backwards to how we normally look at it, but they work miraculously, literally miraculously, because the greatest in that kingdom are the most loving and faithful and humble servants. And most miraculously, everybody's invited. The only outsiders are the ones who choose not to be insiders. Second thing that we have to do together is we grow the kingdom. And Jesus gave us several specific ways that he wants us to do those. Part of that is to say what the truth is, to proclaim it, as we just said. And part of it, the most important part of it, the thing he talked about the most was the ways that we live it. The ways we actually practice the things that he preached and that he asks us to preach. The way that he asks us to do this. And Jesus is so creative. As we keep walking through his life and his teachings, you'll notice he used every memorable teaching tool there is. He used poetry, because you can remember that. That's why there's that blessed are the, for theirs is the blessed are the. He, he knows that we can remember that. You know what I mean? It's like nursery rhymes or something. You just know it. You can remember it. He, he used commands. He made it clear, I'm the king, and this is exactly what I'm telling you to do. The Great Commission, for example, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you, and I will be with you always till the very end of the age. It, he uses his own example over and over, and that's probably the most powerful way any of us ever teach anybody. Whether we set a good example and teach them poorly, or we set a good example and we teach them well, we always teach by example. And Jesus did this very, very well. And then one of his favorite ways, and this is where I'm going to wrap up this first part, one of his favorite ways was to tell these stories that he made up himself. We call them parables. But they were symbolic stories, and he started a bunch of them, a huge percentage of them like this. The kingdom of heaven is like. Does this sound familiar? 
He told a bunch of other stories about a bunch of stuff. But we should really, if we're wanting to know what the kingdom is like, we should pay attention when he tells these stories. Here's some of the things. I'm going to just walk through them. We're going to come back to all these on another day. But we're also going to look at what some of this stuff looks like in real life with Jesse and Carrie in just a moment. But he said the kingdom of heaven is like a secret treasure. It's worth trading everything for once you finally find it. So the kingdom of heaven is like a, a garden full of wheat, but then an enemy puts weeds in there and the weeds start messing up. He said that the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet where you invite everybody, but sometimes they don't come. So you have to go invite even more people. He said it's like laborers in a vineyard or tenants in a vineyard. He talked about it being like a mustard seed that starts out super small, but it grows and becomes a tree that makes a huge difference in the world, giving shelter and shade. Talks about it being like a huge fishing net. Then he had a couple toward the end of his life. He had a couple that started just slightly differently, but that's significant. He says at that time, he's talking about his return. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like And then those three stories, I hope, are familiar at all. At that time, the kingdom will be like bridesmaids waiting for a wedding to start with the job of having lamps to light the wedding. At that time, the kingdom will be like servants entrusted with money, but then they have to give account to what they did with it. At that time, the kingdom will be like a shepherd separating the sheep from the goats. Some get to stay in the flock and some do not. This morning, I'm so excited, just honored, honestly, to have Jesse and Carrie Pryor. If you guys can start coming up, we've got a table that's going to bring. But what I'd like you to do two things. First, just as they stand, let's welcome them. Second, watch this video that's going to play that introduces what they're doing in Papua New Guinea. Jesse and Kerry Pryor have been serving with Outreach International of Papua New Guinea for 18 years in Samban. If you never heard of Samban, that's understandable. There are a lot of people in Papua New Guinea who never heard of it or know where it is. Samban village is in the ECP province, at six and a half hours, riding a boat and truck from the provincial capital of York. There are many different aspects of the ministry. One of these areas of ministry is the overseeing the operation of the clinic with three full-time national medical staff and other personnel. The medical needs are met not only for the local village, but those who travel by canoe and food for several days to receive medical aid. If it's beyond the capability of the clinic in Samban, evacuation and made possible for rivers and plains. The clinic treated over 7,000 patients last year. Other aspects of the ministry is education. This entails supporting the local elementary school and operating the food school. The elementary has been in operation over a decade, graduating 800 plus students. The food school gives those that didn't 
have the opportunity a chance to finish high school and possibly to come back to save with YPNB. The fourth school has this past year graduated several grade 12 students and as well as grade 8. You can't have education or medical ministries without having some types of infrastructure. National employees and open times Community members are involved in worrying projects to make sure that there is infrastructure available so medical and education needs can be met. The priors are also involved in the local church. Whether this involves Jesse preaching or Carrie helping local women teach adults to read scriptures for the first time. It is always rewarding to see people growing in their faith as their understanding of God depends. While we live in a remote area and challenges can sometimes can be daunting, we thank God for those that make all of these works possible through financial and prayerful support. A special thanks to all of you who help OIPNGEN meet this need. All right, uh, just seeing here again, it's just an honor to have you guys here. Uh, we're so proud of you. We're, we're, we're proud to be able to support what you guys do over there. Um, you guys do such a great job. You're a living illustration of what it looks like to go and to build the kingdom. And I say that, I've said it in private for me, but I'm saying it publicly. We're so thankful for you guys. I'm serious. Um, if you would, though, uh, I'd love for you to share some of the specific ways that you guys have experienced the kingdom growth look like um, the way Jesus described it. For example, um, the mustard seed idea. It starts out small, it gets huge, and it makes a real difference. What are some ways you guys have seen the kingdom look like that in the work you're doing? Well, when we first went to PNG, obviously my parents had been there and my mom did medical stuff in the house. So when we got there, no one came to me, thankfully, for medical needs because I am not the one you want to go to. So they came to Carrie and it just got to be overwhelming. And so we hired a, a local nurse and the first patient that our quote unquote clinic was in operation, she treated 216 people. And the last three years, the first two of those years, the clinics treated over 5,000 patients. They treated over 7,000 patients last year, and we're on track to break 10,000 this year. Um, the amazing thing about it is the support that we've gotten um, stateside has basically remained the same, but we are getting support from other NGOs and businesses, and our governor has given us around $100,000 uh, in the last year the, through those businesses and the governor to help support the work of the clinic and what we're doing, which is pretty much unheard of for other NGOs or nonprofits in country. That's so amazing. Do you have anything to add to that? Are you good so far? Yeah, okay, that's cool. I just don't want to grab the mic. <laughs> This is, this is really different. The first time we've tried this, and um, you can see it up there as well. So this is so you don't have to see my back when you're trying to listen to Carrie in a second. Um, but um, if you guys could also share, what are some ways that it feels like there's weeds or there's rocks or there's thorns or something else that's complicating the growth? Because this is real for all of us as we build the kingdom. Can you share about that? Well, we'll share this one because... 
Um, that's one of the parables that I've always struggled with because as the sower, are we responsible for the field? Um, the sower sows regardless of the soil or the thorns or the weeds. And so one of the things we've struggled with is while we've been there, you know, a while and you hope to see growth in your, your fellow workers and everything when, when there's no growth or when there's very little growth and you, you look around and you think, am I not modeling this correctly? Am I not living the way I should? Why, why are there certain things that, that are going on that just I can't change? Or it, it becomes very frustrating when you look around and you see that things aren't changing as quickly or as rapidly as you'd like them to. And on a more practical, I guess, um, note, there's also just some things that we can't can't do. Um, I think it's really neat how Jesus talked about um, teaching and preaching and healing the sick. Oh, wow, what a what a set of things that he could do, what he could offer. Um, it takes us how many staff to do just those three things. So what he was able to encapsulate in one man, um, we find great difficulty doing as a team. So while I like to teach, I am not capable of teaching. Um, the number of students and the levels of grades that I've been given. So um, we have a grade 7 through 12 school and just short staff. We're short staff. We're using right now grade 12 graduates from our own program to come in as tutors um, instead of having real qualified teachers. And so just like the practicality of not having enough hands on deck to meet all of those needs, um, those things, Jesus was able to speak to thousands, and that's amazing. I'm having difficulty speaking to 20 students and just getting getting things across. Um, so just the practicality of always needing more staff, always needing more workers, um, just to get things going, um, I find that challenging. Thank you. Um, I'm sure any of us that's ever tried to reach out in a tangible way, and that's becoming more and more the norm here. I'm so proud of this church for, for being like that. In many other churches, I'm seeing this be something God is calling us to do more and more is to reach out beyond our own walls in every way we can. But anybody that's ever tried, you're experiencing this, and it's not just you. It's hard, and yet We've got to press through because there is a harvest on the other side. Let's talk about that for a second. What are some ways that you have experienced uh, the harvest or the, the really big tree that came out of the mustard seed, for example, but the, the, where, where sometimes you, you get all the rocks and thorns out and it actually produces fruit? What, what are you seeing that happen? That's your question. One <laughs> of uh, our favorite couples in the village, right, and that are just doing an amazing job with the um, gifts and abilities and the things that they have been given um, by God to do um, are Ostenta and Hubert. Um, this, this two, um, they're just an amazing, godly couple that have done wonderful things. Um, when I first met Hubert, he was wanting to become a teacher. I had actually needed to hire someone to assist in the clinic, and he had offered to help in the clinic and was willing to take um, a pay cut. Um, he was getting a approximately 150 a fortnight and went down to 50 um, just to just to do what he felt God was calling him to do and that was to teach so gave up the money in order to teach and he has a passion for teaching and he not only finished 
His grade 12 with us in uh, Fode School went on and got his certificate in elementary education and now has gone back again to get a diploma in junior primary teaching. So, and he still has ambitions even further than that. He, he wants to take over a leadership position in the district to start cleaning up some of the um, things that aren't working quite right in the government school systems. Um, he's just got an amazing vision. And if that weren't enough, he's also leading the youth in um, the, the local church. So um, he just does amazing things there. Um, he's come into our um, homecoming and led prayer and worship times with our school. Um, and his wife, as well, is such a compliment to him. She was um, unable to finish her education. Her father died early in her childhood, and she dropped out in grade three. Um, came to one of my early literacy classes, that's where I first met her, and she started reading um, first in the, in the trade language, then asked if she could transfer and learn English. I said, sure, I've got some books for you. And with the help of her husband and the Lord, she attributes much of it <laughs> by the grace of God, um, she um, started reading and writing in English. Um, later asked if she could become a part of our grade seven Fode School. I told her, I said, honey, that's a jump. Grade three to grade seven, that, that's a jump. And she said, I don't care if it takes me three years, I wanna do it. I said, okay. Sure enough, it took her two years, but she did do it. And now she's finished grade eight as well, which is the first certificate level in PNG. Um, and as if her own accomplishments weren't enough, the second she learned to read, she turned around and started passing that on to those in the church. She saw a real need for the women there that had not learned how to read, to be able to read the scriptures for themselves and not always rely upon those that were preaching and teaching. She wanted them to be able to assess that for themselves. So she has now got three classes of literacy that she's teaching, um, one in the local trade language, and then two, one in beginning English and one in advanced English. So, um, and the community is behind her 100%. This is something she started of her own accord and we just couldn't be more pleased to see the way God has used her and put that upon her heart to share what she's been given with others. Um, it's just a blessing to see. Um, yeah, could you also share uh, just um, briefly about the whole Atma versus Biwat thing and how that's changed? That was so exciting when you told me about that the other day. Um, traditionally, the Biwat people have been um, the enemies of the Atma people where we work, but because our clinic has such a a huge outreach now. We have people traveling from outside of our district to come get medical help. The Biwak people are now traveling to our area and spending the night and making friends with our people. And so the kids that used to play, like play fight and say Atma versus Biwak, they're no longer doing that. And the Biwak people are welcome in our area to come and get medical help, which is a far cry from what it used to be. That is so awesome. I, I love that. Um, so the last big question that we had is, um, what are some ways that we could help more? Uh, there's many of us who do pray for you. We support you financially. Um, but how could we do that better? What could we actually help with if we came there, if we went? Uh, tell us how we could help and if there's any practical needs that we could jump in on. Um, as Carrie mentioned, teaching, uh, skilled labor, um, medical work, yes, we can get you in, uh, but it's a lot of paperwork to get you in. Um, right now, we're trying to raise funds for a new sterilizer in the clinic. Uh, it's about, what, 5000 U.S. dollars. Um, 
we have so many people coming, the sterilizer couldn't keep up with apparently clean things to work with. It's pretty important if you're a doctor. Um, I didn't mention uh, one of the ways that the pandemic helped us is we had an English doctor visiting for three weeks and then they locked down the country and she couldn't go anywhere and she's been stuck with us for two years. So we thank God for that. Um, uh, when I had a kidney stone, I had a doctor right there in the house with me. I didn't have to leave the house. Um, morphine is great, by the way. <laughs> well, keep that in mind. Is there anything else just randomly that you would like to share with us at all? Um, come and see. Um, if any of you are interested in coming and seeing what we do over there, we welcome that. Um, if you want to take, I don't recommend it, but if you want to take a family vacation over there, um, that's probably not the best place to go. But um, yeah, if you want to come and see what we're doing, um, you are more than welcome to come and see for yourselves what's going on out there. We would love to introduce you to the people. We would love to introduce you to the the brotherhood of believers that are over there as well. Um, there is, though, for those of you who have been on short-term missions trips, there is nothing that will stick with you longer than meeting, greeting, and talking with these brothers and sisters, praying with them and worshiping with them, even when you don't understand what they're, what they're saying. Um, but um, you're most welcome to come. Um, we know that some of that's the way that God will open your eyes to what's out there and just introduce you to the rest of his um, wonderful family. If you would, just uh, join me again and thank them for being here today. This means so much. Thank you. Jesse and Carrie and uh, three of their boys and one of their friends from Samban are all going to be right outside these doors after this service and um, also after the second service. And if you'd like to come and get to know them, uh, they'd love to get to know you. They've got some stuff to, to show you there at their table. It's just, just right up there. We're, we're going to wrap up this morning um, with, again, remembering that the kingdom of heaven, as it grows, it, it looks like this in real life in foreign cultures. It looks like this in real life in this culture. But it, we want to remember again the core ideas. Let's say it together. We proclaim the kingdom. We're missing something if we don't actually say that Jesus is king. And I don't just mean literally, thank you. I don't mean just literally say Jesus is king every day. That wouldn't mean anything. But if the way you live doesn't say Jesus is king, you've missed most of the point of what Jesus had to say. And if you don't share that truth that there is a new king in town and he gets to make the rules with everybody around you, your family, your friends, the people you work with, people you don't know, people that make you feel uncomfortable, if you don't at least try, you're missing one of the core things that Jesus made so clear. We proclaim the kingdom. And the second one is this. Let's say it together. We grow the kingdom. It, it, it was never designed to just B, it's never designed to just be maintained. All the stories that he told about the kingdom, if you notice, had something to do with growth or trading everything that you'd known before for something that's brand new that's going to make life completely different. There's no stories that Jesus told that's just trying to dig your feet in and hold on. It's about growing. It's about building his kingdom, inviting more and more people into it, about making things happen that make a difference in the world and make a difference in eternity.
And when we embrace these truths that we are here to proclaim and to grow the kingdom of God, then we literally become that kingdom. And it's so powerful and so beautiful and, and yet so easy to miss because we just get comfortable with what feels like church. This morning, I'm asking you to take a step in the direction of what building and growing and proclaiming the kingdom needs to look like for you. So like we've done the last couple weeks, that band's going to come. They're going to play just a couple, couple minutes of soft music just to give you a chance to pray. I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to go to the end. My dad's going to come to the front. If you want to come to the front or the back, we'll talk to you. If you have something to pray about or make a decision today, we'd love to help you make that. But we're going we're gonna to have this time. I want you to pray to God and say, God, what is the next step you want me to take? And then when we stand and we sing together, take that step. You ready? Are you ready? Let's do it.